Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, this is Zane from Epigraphy and One Third of Life and lots of other podcasts on the That's Not Canon Network. I'm here with something to pass the time and lift the mood during these strange times. Now today, in my questing about the internet, I have stumbled upon... Uh, I guess it's a, it's a short story, but it is a unique short story in that it's not quite copypasta, but it's from uh, a Tumblr post where, in response to a writing prompt from the Writing Prompt S account, three authors have collaboratively written a short story. And I thought I would read that to you. Uh, as you know, I read out Wikipedia articles on One Third of Life, and I read poetry on epigraphy. So this is just a little, uh, something in between those two things, <clears throat> I think. So I think what we'll do is I'm just going to say, I don't know the, the real names of these authors. I do know that their usernames are Sado Euphemist, Serenian, and Stupot. So if you know who they are, let me know, and I will give them their due credit. But, with no further ado, let's get into the story. The prompt is, Temples are built for gods. Knowing this, a farmer builds a small temple to see what kind of god turns up. Arepo built a temple in his field. A humble thing, some stones stacked up to make a cairn, and two days later, a god moved in. Hope you're a harvest god, Arepo said, and set up an altar and burnt two stalks of wheat. It'd be nice, you know. He looked down at the ash smeared on the stone, the rocks all laid askew and coughed and scratched his head. I know it's not much, he said, his straw hat in his hands. But I'll do what I can. It'd be nice to think there's a god looking after me. The next day, he left a pair of figs. The day after that, he spent ten minutes of his morning seated by the temple in prayer. On the third day, the god spoke up. You should go to a temple in the city, the god said. Its voice was like rustling of the wheat, like squeaks of field mice running through the grass. A real temple. A good one. Get some real gods to bless you. I'm no one much myself, but I might be able to put in a good word. It plucked a leaf from a tree and sighed. I mean, not to be rude. I like this temple. It's cozy enough. The worship's been nice, but you can't honestly believe that any of this is going to bring you anything. This is more than I was expecting when I built it, 
Arepo said, laying down his scythe and lowering himself onto the ground. Tell me, what sort of god are you, anyway? I'm of the fallen leaves, the worms that churn beneath the earth, the boundary of forest and of field, the first hint of frost before the first snow falls, the skin of an apple as it yields beneath your teeth. I am god of a dozen different nothings, scraps that lead to rot, momentary glimpses, a change in the air, and then it's gone. The god heaved another sigh. There is no point in worship in that. Not like war, or the harvest, or the storm. Save your prayers for the things beyond your control, good farmer. You're so tiny in the world, so vulnerable. Best to pray to a greater thing than me. Arepo plucked a stalk of wheat and flattened it between his teeth. I like this sort of worship fine, he said. So if you don't mind, I think I'll continue. Do what you will, said the god, and withdrew deeper into the stones. But don't say I never warned you otherwise. Arepo would say a prayer before the morning's work, and he and the god contemplated the trees in silence. Days passed like that, and weeks. And then, the storm rolled in, black and bold and blustering. It flooded Arepo's fields, shook the tiles from his roof, smote his olive tree and set it to cinder. The next day, Arepo and his sons walked among the wheat, salvaging what they could. The little temple had been strewn across the field, and so when work was done for the day, Arepo gathered the stones and pieced them back together. Useless work, the god whispered, but came creeping back inside the temple regardless. There wasn't a thing I could do to spare you this. We'll be fine, Arepo said. The storm's blown over. We'll rebuild. Don't have much of an offering for you today, he said and laid down some ruined wheat. But I think I'll shore up this thing's foundations tomorrow. How about that? The god rattled around in the temple and sighed. A year passed, and then another. The temple had layered walls of stones, a roof of woven twigs. Arepo's neighbors chuckled as they passed it. Some of their children left fruit and flowers. And then the harvest failed. The gods withdrew their bounty. And in Arepo's field, the wheat sprouted thin and brittle. People wailed and tore their robes, slaughtered lambs and spilled their blood, looked upon the ground with haunted eyes, and went to bed hungry. Arepo came and sat by the temple. The flowers wilted now. The fruit shriveled nubs, Arepo's ribs showing through his chest, his hands still shaking, and murmured out a prayer. There is nothing here for you, said the god huddling in the dark. There is nothing I can do. There is nothing to be done. It shivered and spat out its words. What is this temple but another burden to you? We... 
Arepa's voice wavered. So it's been a lean year, he said. We've gone through this before. We'll get through this again. So we're hungry, he said. We've still got each other, don't we? And a lot of people prayed to other gods. But it didn't protect them from this. No, he shook his head and laid down some shriveled weeds on the altar. No, I think I like our arrangement. Fine. There will come worse, said the god from the hollows of the stone. And there will be nothing I can do to save you. The years passed. Arepo rested a wrinkled hand upon the temple of stone, and some days spent an hour there, lost in contemplation with the god. And one fateful day, across the wine-dark seas, came war. Arepo came stumbling to his temple now, his hand pressed against his gut, anointing the holy site with his blood. Behind him, his wheat fields burned, and the bones burned black in them. He came crawling on his knees to a temple of hewed stone, and the god rushed out to meet him. I could not save them, said the god, its voice a low wail. I am sorry. I am sorry. I am so, so, so sorry. The leaves fell burning from the trees. A soft, slow rain of ash. I have done nothing all these years, and I have done nothing for you. Shush, Arepo said, tasting his own blood, his vision blurring. He propped himself up against the temple, forehead pressed against the stone in prayer. Tell me, he mumbled, tell me again, what sort of god are you? I, said the god, and reached out, cradling Arepo's head, and closed its eyes, and spoke. I'm of the fallen leaves, it said, and conjured up the image of them, the worms that churn beneath the earth. The boundary of forest and of field. The first hint of frost before the snow falls. The skin of an apple as it yields beneath your teeth. Arepo's lips parted in a smile. I am the god of a dozen different nothings, it said. The petals in bloom that lead to rot. The momentary glimpses, a change in the air. Before it's gone. Beautiful, Arepo said, his blood staining the stones, seeping into the earth. All of them, they were all so beautiful. And as the fields burned, and the smoke blotted out the sun, as men were trodden in the press, and bloody war raged on, as the heavens let loose their wrath upon the earth, Arepo the sower, lay down in his humble temple, his head sheltered by the stones, and returned home to his god. Sora found the temple with the bones within it, the roof falling in upon them. Oh, poor god, she said, with no one to bury your last priest. Then she paused, because she was from far away. Or is this how the dead are honored here? The god roused from its contemplation, 
His name was Arepo, it said. He was a sower. Sora startled, because she had never before heard the voice of a god. How can I honor him? she asked. Bury him, the god said, beneath my altar. All right, Sora said and went to fetch her shovel. Wait, the god said when she got back and began collecting the bones from among the broken twigs and fallen leaves. She laid them out on a roll of undyed wool, the only cloth that she had. Wait, the god said, I cannot do anything for you. I am not a god of anything useful. Sora sat back on her heels and looked at the altar to listen to the god. When the storm came and destroyed his wheat, I could not save it. When the harvest failed and he was hungry, I could not feed him. When war came, the god's voice faltered. When war came, I could not protect him. He came bleeding from the battle to die in my arms. Sora looked down again at the bones. I think you are the god of something very useful, she said. What? the god asked. Sora carefully lifted the skull onto the cloth. You are the god of Arepo. Generations passed. The village recovered from its tragedies. Homes rebuilt, gardens replanted, wounds healed. The old man who once lived on the hill and spoke to stone and rubble had long since been forgotten, but the temple stood in his name. Most believed it to be empty, as the god who resided there long ago had fallen silent. Yet, any who passed the decaying shrine felt an ache in their hearts, as though mourning for a lost friend. The god that seeped from the temple entrance laid their spirits low and warded off any potential visitors, save for the rare and especially oblivious children who would leave tiny clusters of pink and white flowers that they picked from the surrounding meadow. The god sat in his peaceful home, staring out at the distant road, to pedestrians, workhorses and carriages, raining leaves that swirled around bustling feet. How long had it been? The world had progressed without him, for he knew there was no help to be given. The world must be a cruel place that even the useful gods have abandoned. If farms can flood, harvests can run barren, and homes can burn, he thought. He had come to understand that humans are senseless creatures, who would pray to a god that cannot grant wishes, or bless upon them good fortune. Who would maintain a temple and bring offerings with nothing in return? Who would share their company and meditate with such a fruitless deity? Who would bury a stranger without the hope for profit? What bizarre, futile kindness they had wasted on him. What wonderful, foolish, virtuous, hopeless creatures humans were. So he painted the sunset with yellow leaves, 
enticed the worms to dance in their soil, flourished the boundary between forest and field with blooms and berries, christened the air with a biting cold before winter came, and ripened the apples with crisp red freckles to break under sinking teeth, and a dozen other nothings in memory of the man who once praised the god's work on his dying breath. Hello, god of every humble beauty in the world, called a familiar voice. The squinting corners of the god's eyes wept down onto curled lips. Arepo, he whispered, for his voice was hoarse from its hundred-year mute. I am the god of devotion, of small kindnesses, of unbreakable bonds. I am the god of selfless, unconditional love, of everlasting friendships and trust. Agrippa avowed, soothing the other with every word. That's wonderful, Arepo, he responded between tears. I am so happy for you. Such a powerful figure will certainly need a grand temple. Will you leave to the city to gather more worshippers? You'll be adored by all. No, Repo smiled. Farther than that, to the capital then. Thank you for visiting here before your departure. No, I will not go there either. Arepo shook his head and chuckled. Father still, what ambitious goals you must have. There is no doubt in my mind that you will succeed, though. The elder god continued. Actually, interrupted Arepo, I'd like to stay here, if you'll have me. The other god was struck speechless. Why? Why would you want to live here? For I am the god of unbreakable bonds, and everlasting friendships, and you are the god of Arepo. And that's the end of the story. Thanks for joining us again for That's Not COVID. We're going to keep bringing you our favorite distractions for as long as you need them. If you have a suggestion, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram or online at that'snotcanon.com. Once again, I am Zane C. Weber from Epigraphy and One Third of Life. And you can find more from me at that'snotcanon.com. And that was just another That's Not COVID episode. That's Not COVID is a production of the That's Not Canon podcast network. That's Not Canon is a community of podcasters committing to giving new podcasters a platform to share their voices and have some fun. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find many more like it at thatsnotcanon.com. And if you'd like to support us and what we do, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash that's not canon. Until next time, stay safe, wash your hands, and look out for each other. Uh, That's Not Kind of Productions podcast.